Hello, I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger, and I owe you an apology. I was very busy last week and also suffering from a head cold, and I did not get a new episode posted. So, to make up for it, I am going to post some older episodes going way back to the beginning of What to Say When Things Get Tough, where I broke down the code for credibility. The code is an easy way to remember the four criteria by which people decide whether or not you are a trustworthy and credible source of information. I published four episodes that talked about each element of the code, caring, openness, dedication, and expertise, and I will be posting them this week and next week leading up to a brand new episode a week from Thursday. Please accept my apology, and please enjoy this encore episode of C is for Caring. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. Today it's just me, which I know is going to make my mom happy, and we're going to look more closely at the C in the Code for Trust and Credibility. If you haven't heard the July 8th episode entitled Trust and Credibility in Theory, you may want to go back and listen. Either way, let's start with a quick refresher. The code encapsulates the four criteria by which people judge whether a source of information is trustworthy and credible. The C stands for caring and empathy. The O stands for openness and honesty. The D stands for dedication and commitment. And the E stands for expertise and competence. So these are filters, if you will, that people subconsciously use to decide whether or not a source of information is providing them with trustworthy and credible information. These come into play anytime we interact with someone, but they're particularly important when we interact in difficult situations or those that I like to call high concern and low trust, where the people we're trying to communicate with are concerned about something that they believe is happening to them that is a threat to their well-being or the well-being of people that they care about. And for one reason or another, they are disinclined to trust us as a source of information. It may be because we have harmed them in some way in the past, whether in reality or just that they perceive we've done so. It may be because they perceive us to have a financial stake in what's going on. That certainly comes up a lot when I work with clients that represent companies and industries. People will often see the representatives of those companies as shills, if you will, for the companies that they represent. In those situations, these criteria are highlighted. They're more important. And people do not give us the benefit of the doubt. When we're talking to friends or family, colleagues and peers, they will give us the benefit of the doubt in terms of whether or not they believe us to be caring, open, dedicated, and expert. But in high concern, low trust situations, in difficult situations, the opposite is true. People assume that we are not these things. And to be effective communicators, we have to demonstrate to them that we are all four of these in order to be effective communicators, in order to break through and win people over. And when you're in a difficult situation, people view everything that you do, every signal that you send, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, in the most negative way possible. Let me give you an example to illustrate the point. Take sweating. Now let's say you have to give a speech to 200 of your colleagues and peers. Chances are you're going to be nervous. According to many studies that have been conducted over the years, public speaking is the number one fear reported by Americans. 
and it's the basis of one of Jerry Seinfeld's most famous jokes, which I shared in an earlier episode. He says, according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. Number two is death. Death is number two. Does that sound right? This means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. So if you're nervous and anxious, you may start to sweat. That's perfectly normal. If you have to use a handkerchief to mop your brow during a speech, your colleagues and peers, well, they're not going to hold it against you. They're just going to think, well, he's nervous. So would I be. Or they might think that the lights are hot. Whatever it might be, those 200 colleagues and peers are not going to judge you negatively because you're sweating. Now, turn those 200 colleagues and peers into 200 angry, worried, and suspicious members of a community where maybe your company has just leaked a small amount of hazardous waste into a nearby lake, and suddenly they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They'll view the fact that you're sweating through the most negative filter possible. You're not sweating because you're nervous. You're sweating because you don't want to be there. Or you're trying to hide something. Or worst of all, you're lying. When that's the case, nailing all four of the criteria included in the code is absolutely essential for effective communication. The C comes first not only because it happens to make for a very good acronym, but also because the research shows that the criteria people use to judge trust and credibility most is caring and empathy. When people are angry, worried, and suspicious, most are going to decide whether or not you're a caring and empathetic source of information within 30 seconds of meeting you. And once they make a decision, it's nearly impossible to change their minds. In fact, it accounts for half of what I like to call a communicator's code score. So if a perfect code score is 100, 50 of those points are awarded based on caring and empathy. Now that puts a huge premium on making an immediate impression, which means that in difficult situations, particularly if you're answering questions, the first thing out of your mouth in difficult situations has to be something caring and empathetic. So what is caring and empathy? Well, I've seen a lot of definitions. I'm sure you all have some idea of what that means. But the best and most relevant definition that I've ever come across comes from a popular book called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most. And I will include a link to that book on Amazon in the show notes. The authors of that book describe caring and empathy as follows. The deepest form of understanding another person is empathy. Empathy involves a shift from observing how you seem on the outside to my imagining what it feels like to be you on the inside, wrapped in your skin, with your set of experiences and background, looking at the world through your eyes. Psychologists have found that we are each more interested in knowing that the other person is trying to empathize with us, that they are willing to struggle to understand how we feel and how we see, than we are in believing that they have accomplished their goal. And that's another way of saying people will only care what you know when they know that you care. A very simple way to express caring and empathy is simply to say to someone that you understand how they feel, that you can see why they would feel the way that they do. Or perhaps that if you were in their situation, if you were on their side, you would probably feel the same way. But the research also shows that that's not going to be quite enough to win people over, to score those full 50 points of your code score. In order to effectively communicate that you are a caring and empathetic person, it's necessary to tell a personal story. A story that the people that you're trying to communicate with recognize, understand, and appreciate. 
a story that will show them that you really do understand what it feels like to be in their position, what it feels like to stand in their shoes, what it feels like to be upset and concerned and worried and suspicious of whatever it is that they think may cause them in that earlier episode that I referred to at the beginning of this episode, I told a story about a client that my firm worked with some years ago. He was an executive with a utility company in the Midwest, and one of that company's nuclear power plants had unfortunately leaked a small amount of radioactive material into a nearby lake. As you can imagine, this caused a lot of concern among the residents in that community, and among other things, the company agreed to have a public hearing at the local high school where this executive could come, tell people a little bit about what happened, what the company was doing to clean up the spill, what they were doing to make sure that it never happened again, and why there was no reason for the community to be concerned because the leak was very small, people would not be exposed to the radioactivity, and in essence, everyone was safe. A tall order, as you can imagine. Now, as we began to work with this executive to get him ready for this meeting, we found out that he lived in that community. In fact, he was only a five-minute walk from the high school, and he had attended the high school. His wife had attended the high school. His kids had gone to that high school. And so we decided that that was going to be a very important part of the story that he told to the people in that high school auditorium about what happened at the plant. We agreed that he would walk to this public meeting with his wife, that he would take some time before the meeting formally began to chat with people in the audience. He knew some of those people. They were his neighbors. Some of them were his friends. And so we encouraged him to talk about that when he stood up to give his presentation. He was a member of that community. He understood why people would be concerned about what happened there and what happened at his plant, and that he was committed to making sure that everyone was safe because that included not only himself, but his wife, his children, his neighbors, other friends in the community. And that was all designed to demonstrate to people that he was a caring and empathetic person, and therefore a more trustworthy and credible source of information. And I want to emphasize here that it can sound like there's manipulation going on, and I suppose to a certain degree, there is some. We would never counsel someone to mislead people about being caring and empathetic. In other words, this only worked because this executive did live in that community. He did go to that high school. And so he was able to speak from the heart about what was going on. You can't make that stuff up because then you get into problems with the next letter in the code, openness and honesty, which we'll handle in a subsequent episode. So what do you do? You can't say, oh, I understand how you feel. I see why you feel that way. I feel the same way over and over and over again. That's just not going to cut it. You have to be able to tell stories, like the one I just shared, that demonstrate to people that you're caring and empathetic. So what do you do? Well, if you're going to be going into a difficult situation, like the one I described, or just about anything else where you have time to prepare, you have to think about the stories you can tell. What stories can I relate to these people that I need to communicate with and win over that are going to demonstrate to them, like this executive did, that you're a caring and empathetic person. You just have to take some time and think about it. If your organization needs to pick a spokesperson to represent it in a difficult situation, you want to find somebody who can tell these kinds of stories, who is a caring and empathetic person. 
because it has to be genuine. If you try to fake it, you're just going to come across as insincere and your code score is going to fall apart. After this executive was done talking about his relationship with the community and the fact that he had attended school there and so had his kids, did he start talking about the spill itself. And for no more than about 10 minutes, he explained what happened. He used simple and plain language. He accepted full responsibility for the spill and for cleaning it up and for making sure that it would never happen again. And he closed with the following statement, which I paraphrase, but it's pretty close to what he said. I understand that many of you are concerned about what happened at my plant. I'm concerned too. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure out exactly what happened and fix it to make sure this is the last time anything like this ever happens again. When it's fixed, I'll tell you what we did and why. Because you know, I live here, my family lives here. I'll tell you the same thing I told my daughter when she asked if she should be worried about her family's safety. The spill was unfortunate, but it was very small. We've conducted many tests, including immediately after it happened, and we have been unable to detect any trace of the spill, which is why I was very comfortable telling my daughter that she and her kids and grandkids are perfectly safe. And so are all of you and your kids. That's my main message today. You and your kids are safe. You can swim in the lake, as my wife and I did just last weekend. You can fish. You can water ski. And now I'm sure you have many questions. And I'll stay as long as it takes to answer them. I have a stack of business cards up here with me. When the meeting is over, feel free to come up and talk to me individually. Grab a card so you know how to reach me if you have any questions or concerns after you've gone home. After he was done, he sat down. And what he had done, very effectively, was turn a potentially angry, worried, and suspicious crowd, poised to attack him, into a relieved, appreciative group of concerned but calm residents. When they opened the floor for Q&A, people did ask questions, but they weren't particularly hostile. He didn't have to address any really angry people. And my firm was pretty proud of the way that meeting went. We did a good job of preparing him. He did a great job of getting ready and a great job of speaking to that group. He succeeded in winning over that crowd because he employed all the right strategy, skills, and techniques of the science of risk communication. But none was more important than that effort he made right up front to show people that he was a caring and empathetic person first and a utility executive second. So again, just to wrap up, Caring and empathy is one of four criteria by which people judge whether other people are trustworthy and credible sources of information. Caring and empathy is by far the most important of those four criteria. It accounts for half of what I call your code score, and people will decide whether or not you're caring and empathetic within 30 seconds of meeting you. The best way, really the only way that I know, to effectively communicate caring and empathy is to tell stories that the people that you're communicating with can relate to. And that requires careful thought, careful preparation, and a whole lot of practice. And that is the story of caring and empathy. Please join us next week when we'll move on to the O in code, openness and honesty, which may seem obvious, but there are some tricks to that as well and some traps that you have to avoid if you want to be an effective communicator in difficult situations. As always, thank you to Jim Cirillo for the original music. You can find him at jimmyamgroup.com. Thank you to CC What Do You Mean Snetzinger, who, by the way, happens to be my 10-year-old stepson for the original art. 
If you have any questions, you can reach us at WTSWTGT at gmail.com. And please follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. Until next time, always be positive. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.